Amen and amen. The Lord is good. Amen. And we are blessed to just be in his house this evening. Take your Bibles. Go with me if you would. We're gonna we're gonna start with the with the main scripture, and then I'm I'm just gonna kind of press forward because I've got a certain area I want to make it to tonight. But turn to Second Corinthians, chapter number seven, and verse number one. Second Corinthians, chapter seven, and verse number one. Um, Andrew had asked, Pastor, where are you gonna be tonight? And I told her I'm gonna be a little bit of everywhere tonight. So we're gonna be hitting scriptures as we go through this tonight, as this is week number two um, that we're gonna be studying on the concept of holiness of holiness, of a holy life, of a sanctified life, and we're going to be talking about that over the next um, couple weeks at least as we are just in this, and I told you last week that my goal in this is not so much to to make it, and it is going to be a part of it because it has to be when we talk about that, but not so much about what we are against or anything like that, but more about what is what God's plan for us is, what God God's purpose for us is that that what we stand for why it is important as I told you the reason that holiness is important that we live our life in a way that is pleasing unto the Lord because how many know well it's only through Christ that we are saved there is nothing else we can do other than come to faith in Jesus Christ his shed blood just just open our hearts up and repent of our sins and turn to him it's not by works lest any man should boast but once we are saved there is a life that we are now uh, alive to that we must apply, that we must apply application of the word into this new life that we are living. And we must put off the old man and then we must put on the new man. So we, we, have, to, we have to lay down the things of our past and we have to press forward to the things that are ahead. And so that's really what we are talking about as we are studying this together. Second Corinthians chapter number seven and verse number one. It says, therefore, having these promises, and I'm not going to go back, but if you're trying to catch up, you can you can go into Second Corinthians chapter six and you can begin reading at verse eleven and read on down at some point and kind of catch up on the promises that we talked about last week. But he says, therefore, in verse one, having these promises. Beloved, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves, be washed, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Those things that try to attach it, the, themselves to our flesh and try to pollute our spirit. Cleanse yourselves, he says. Be be walking, and we cleanse ourselves by the by the washing of the water of the word. We cleanse ourselves by being in the word, in the presence of the Lord, walking with Him, moving with Him. All filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of. God, perfecting holiness in the fear 
of God. There, there is something to that, and that, that perfecting is uh, maturing in holiness, coming to a, a place of understanding that we are walking in the holiness that the Lord has brought us to. And, and so that's kind of where we uh, have been. I'm going to read you one more from last week, First Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 7 and verse number 8. For God, now let me, let me back up. I believe this is even more important. Back up to verse 3. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God. Somebody say, this is the will of God. How many of you have ever said, I just want to know what the will of God is for my life? Amen. Well, I'm, I'm about to tell you what the will of God is for your life. And I understand when we make that statement, oftentimes you're, you're talking more about things that you, what he wants you to do and those type of things. But this is the will of God for your life, your sanctification, your sanctification, that, that purity, that setting apart for service, that, that, that purity, that holiness, this is God's will for your life. Hmm. Okay? That's, that's important. Your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, and that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, in purity, and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. Now verse 7, for God did not call us unto uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this, this is important. We, we don't, these scriptures are bypassed oftentimes. But therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. For those that reject this call of God to a holy lifestyle, they are not rejecting man. They are rejecting God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit, that comforter, that paraclete, that, that one that comes alongside and empowers us to live the life that God has called us to. And so I want to take this setting, and I'm not going to backtrack any more than that because we're going to track forward together tonight. And uh, you can always pick up on the previous week um, at some other time if you would like. And if, if you missed it, I encourage you to do that to get the full picture as we talk about holiness and we talked about talk about sanctification there there is an aspect that you need to understand about this this separation from sin and separation unto God I had someone uh, that I heard that was teaching on sanctification and it's always stood out to me and always stayed with me that they said to me that, you know the age-old question is well what what is sanctification what does that really mean and I I heard it put this way and it made a lot of sense to me as it was put this way that salvation is when the father through Christ takes us out of the world and puts us alive in his kingdom and sanctification is when God 
takes the world out of us. So salvation is when he takes us out of the world. And sanctification is that work and then that process of God taking the world out of us. Of removing that worldly life and thought and action out of us. And how many understand that it is a moment that we come to this moment with God that we are awakened that no longer are the passions that once driven us what drive us any longer. That's that moment that we understand we have been now sanctified, set apart. Something is different. It's a change. It, it, it's a renewed mind, and we are now desiring the things of God. But how many know we still have a flesh nature that we're dealing with, that daily the Lord wants to walk with us and continue this process in our lives. And so um, we, we need to understand that it is, it is a most important work. And I, I honestly believe it's probably the most overlooked aspect of a Christian's life in our world today. It's probably the least talked about, the least preached about aspect of, of a Christian life. We, we preach on salvation. We, we preach on being filled with the Spirit. We preach on end times. We preach on all these other things. We preach on, on faith to believe for healing. We preach on deliverance. We preach on all these things. But for some reason, far too often, the least preached on subject is the subject of a holy life and a sanctified life. And I, and, and I believe that's a trick of the enemy because I believe outside of salvation and of course being filled with the Holy Spirit, but it is vital for our walk with God to be, be sure, to be full, and to be complete is that we understand God has a way for us to live. Would you agree with that? Would you agree this word teaches a way to live that is different than this world? And so we need to dive deep into these concepts, and hopefully that's what we're going to do. And we're going to talk about a lot of things later on. We're going to get to, not tonight, but later on, we're going to get to holiness of life and living. We're going to get to holiness of thought and outlook. We're going to get to holiness of our stance and our posture before God as we're just going to cover all of those things, but we'll get there. But first, I want to set up real well what the Word teaches us about this life that God has now called us to. Because hopefully on this night, you that are sitting here, and maybe not everybody, and if so, then you can make that a change tonight. But I believe probably on this Wednesday night, at least in-house, I'm speaking to Christians who desire a deeper walk with the Lord. And, and so therefore, this is a deeper walk in your relationship through Christ as we begin to learn what the Lord wants for us and, and through us. Let me make a couple of statements to you. The first statement is this. Holiness is the outflowing of the inner life of a believer. Holiness is the outflowing. It, it, is, it is the flowing out of the inner life of a believer. So if we have come to know Christ as our Savior, if we, have, if we have received Him in our lives, then there should be an outflow of that new inner working. Right? You, you, there should be results of a saved life. Amen. 
Are y'all out there? There should be results of a saved life. And the results of a saved life are a holy and sanctified life. Amen. That, it should be. We should be growing. Let me, let me say this to you. You should be, and I, we should be growing in our walk with the Lord closer to him every day. We should be. It's available to us. You can never reach a point. It doesn't matter how long you live for the Lord. You will never reach a point that you can sit back and quit growing in your walk with the Lord. Never. There's never been a human being that has reached that point and never will be. For we could spend all of eternity continuing to learn how to walk closer and closer to the Lord. But we should be striving. Right? We should be, uh, we should be living. I, I, I have a hard time understanding people who claim to be followers of Christ that have no desire to grow closer to Christ. It's almost as if we, we have somehow, there have been many people that have just somehow heard a gospel message that, that just somehow in their heart and mind triggered a response in them that it was just like hell insurance or fire insurance that, that, that well, I just, as long as I'm saved, that's all that matters. Well, I want to tell you, once you are saved, new life just begins. And, we, and it's a growth. When, when you give birth to a baby, that baby's not, it doesn't come out fully developed. It doesn't come out fully equipped to handle everything of life and take off on its own. That, that doesn't happen. That baby comes out a brand new, moldable, sculptable human being. Right? They, they, when they are born, they are born into a cruel world, and they are born completely innocent. Other than even babies have fallen natures because it is the it is the result of sin, right? But but that baby has to be taught, has to be trained. They have to learn to walk. They have to learn to talk. They have to learn to cope. They have to learn to deal. They have to learn what it means to hear no every now and then, right? That's for parents to do. That's not a word that's in grandparents' vocabulary. That's a word for parents. And once you reach grandparent stage, you don't have to say no anymore. That's not true, even though it is a lot easier to not say no. But they have to grow. And we are no different than that. Because, in fact, we are newborn babes in Christ when we come to know him. When he becomes our Savior, when we open up our heart to him, we are born again. And that means new life starts from that place. And you're going to grow, and you're going to have ups and downs, and you're going to fall. You know, babies, when they get up to walk, we celebrate the fact that they fall forward. We say they're walking. I don't think they're walking. A lot of times I think they're just falling forward, and we all say, oh, look, they're walking. But, but they start somewhere. And, and as believers, we, hopefully you don't look the same that you looked when you were first saved. 
Hopefully you're not, hopefully your walk doesn't look the same with Jesus as it did when you were first saved. Hopefully there's maturity there. Hopefully there's growth there. Hopefully you're in the word and you're learning how to, how to grow. And hopefully somebody didn't come along and tell you that, that, well, you messed up here. So now you got to go all the way back and start over. No, when, when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself failing, you repent, you turn that over to the Lord and then you get right back up and you keep right on going again. Amen. Amen. See, that's what the Lord wants for us. That's what the Lord desires for us. And we find that in his word. Holiness is a positive message. A holy life, a sanctified life is a very positive message because it is God's will for us. Have we ever heard of calling God's will for us something negative? Right? Would we, ever, would we ever just say, well, God's will for you is very, it's a very negative path. But when we get to talking about holiness or we get to talking about this sanctified life, this set-apart life, we've got too many Christians that just view it as a negative message. Maybe that's because of, of the way it was preached to them or the way it was taught to them. And it was always, you don't do this and don't do that. And don't, but, but, and, amen. I mean, no, that, that is important, but if all you ever hear is don't do this, don't do that, you're missing out on the blessings of what we are privileged to do, how we are privileged to walk in this new life with the Lord, the opportunities that are ahead of us. And so as we walk through this, I hope that it will just spark your mind and heart to say, Lord, I, I, want, I want to grow closer to you. I want to grow in you. And, and uh, Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Romans 12, 1 and 2, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Which is your reasonable service. That's your, that, that is, that's just, that's not a sacrifice. That's just what's reasonable. That you, the reasonable thing is when you realize all that Jesus did for you, you, your reasonable service for him is to present your body to him to be used for his kingdom's sake. Holy and acceptable. It's a living sacrifice. How many, how many understand most sacrifices aren't living? The privilege of this is, we get to die to our old self, die to sin, but we get to live in this new life. So it's a living sacrifice, and so therefore it's holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove again what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, what did we just say the will of God was for us? Scripture just said, even our sanctification, our being set apart for service. So if you want to prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is, then you got to give yourself to Him completely, walking in that fullness of life in Him, pursuing holiness and walking after Him and letting your life be set apart and sanctified for Him, and then you will walk into His plan and His purpose. Amen. I, as I said, I'm just, my goal is to give you many, scriptures 
as we walk through this because I think Scripture speaks very plainly on these subjects better than we can because when we start interjecting sometimes our thoughts, people start wanting to argue with our thoughts. But how many know there's no argument with Scripture? As a believer, you either believe it or you don't. It's not to be argued over. And there are things that are plain in Scripture, and this is one of those areas. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 8. Ephesians 5 and verse number 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. That's our, that's our desire. That should be, this new life should be finding out, discovering what is acceptable to the Lord. That's not my thoughts. This is God's word, right? You can write down, it's Ephesians 5.10. That's, that's the reference. It's right there. And have, and listen, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Not because, not because we're hateful people or think we're better than or self-righteous people, but because the works of darkness are unfruitful. They don't produce anything but struggle and strife and failure, right? And separation. So why would we want to fellowship with things that are unfruitful in our new life? They're the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather Expose them. Amen? Expose them. Now, notice, he's not saying run around and expose other people with all the things they're doing wrong. Expose these unfruitful works of darkness, and guess where you're going to find them first? In you, that they need to be exposed unto the Lord and to the Word so that then they can be extracted out of your life. Verse 12 then goes on and says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Amen. I didn't say it. The Word said it. It, it, it Look at it again. It is shameful. We have lost our shame. We, we have lost our blush. We, we have allowed ourselves to become jaded to the unfruitful works of darkness in this world. And the Bible says it's shameful to even talk about the things that are accomplished by those unfruitful works of darkness in our world, it, 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 which are done by them in secret. But in all things, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Amen. Arise, and Christ will give you light. So as we look at this, the reason I read that scripture is I want you to understand this is God's plan. This is God's will, that we do not walk in unfruitful works of darkness, but we don't fellowship with them. We don't connect with them. In fact, we, we understand it's shameful to even talk about and, and live in and, and um, subject ourselves to the things that are done by them in secret, because they are destructive. Amen. So, we need to hear this, and we need to understand the why 
that is behind it. Okay, I'm going to go one more and then we're going to get into a couple things I've come to say tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, now, I, I was told a couple of these scriptures my whole life growing up. And when I was a young guy, I didn't like these so much, but my mom was always one to talk to me about these things. Verse 22 of 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Abstain from the very, abstain from every form of evil. Amen. Even the very appearance of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. Stay away from it. Amen. Abstain means don't partake in. Right? Now, I, my upbringing, as, I, as you are probably well aware, I was raised in a pretty strict holiness setting uh, and a uh, whole different world than what we are living in today. Um, that's probably not a good thing either. But uh, uh, I was raised, and there were, there were certain things that were just absolute non-negotiables in my upbringing. And uh, my mom was a believer in these scriptures that talk about abstain from every appearance and every form of evil. and Stay away from that so much so that, that in my life, I, I wasn't, you remember, how many remember those little candy cigarettes? Those were not allowed in our house <laughs> because they, they, that's, they just weren't. Do you remember, how many remember the big league chew coming to pouch and it was bubble gum, right? Well, I had, I had to sneak out with my friends to chew bubble gum, big league chew. Amen. <laughs> Beef jerky was okay. <laughs> But anybody remember the the round cans of beef jerky that kind of looked like, you know, skull cans and some of that wasn't allowed in, in my house, right? I'm not, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you my upbringing. That was, that was where we were. In fact, I wasn't even allowed to drink root beer in those bottles that were not clearly labeled root beer. Right? Because someone might have saw, seen me drinking that, and you know, at seven, eight years old, or however old I was, they might have thought I was out drinking a beer. You know, I, I don't know. You can take issue with some of those things if you want. I'm just telling you what, where I've been, what's, what's happened in my life. I, I'm going to leave some of that to you. But I believe in this scripture, and I believe that if we would abstain and forsake, the forms of evil that are in our world. If we would understand that a Christian should have a blush about the things of this world, we, we should not be so comfortable. We should not be so well-versed in the wickedness of the world. World, We should be more versed in Scripture than the wickedness of the world. I don't know how many times I've heard Christians that can talk all day long about wicked things that the world is producing, but when you go to talk about the Word, they don't know anything about that. Amen. Just some thoughts. Holiness, sanctification is separated from sin and separated unto God. 
it's not about only, and this is where we fall into the trap. It's not really all about what we are against. It should be what we are for. Because what we are for is a full walk with God, a complete walk with God, a pure walk with God, a, a walk with God that our hearts are pure. Does that mean we're perfect? No, by, by no means are we perfect, but we should be maturing in our walk with the Lord. Amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight. I'm going to give you real quickly some things about this concept of holiness and, and, and this concept of sanctification. The first thing I'm going to tell you is this. It is a heart work of God. That's where it starts. It is a heart work of God. See, in order for us to have the desire to be set apart for God, in order for us to have the desire to walk with God in purity and, and, and in strength and, and holiness, in, it has to be a heart work that begins with our Father. He changes our heart. Have you discovered yet that you are unable to change your heart? Amen? We can't do it on our own. It is a work of God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13, verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For, verse 13, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is, it is a heart work of God that God has initiated. God, give, God begins this work. He loved us. He gave his son for us. He desires for us to have a new heart, a clean heart. It is God's work first. And then what we do then with what God has given to us is our part to play in it. But it is a heart work that begins with God. Therefore, if you are still caught up in, in a very worldly way of thinking, in a very worldly mindset, the first thing you need to do is you need to pray, Lord, change my heart. Father, do a work in my heart. I know I need you for salvation. I know I've accepted Christ for salvation. There is no other way, but change the propensity of my heart. Change the desires of my heart so that they are after you. I, I'm not sure we teach people well enough. That's an important prayer in your life. Have you ever had to make that your prayer? Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. Take this old stony heart. See, what, 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 and I'm not going to go into detail on, on this end of it. I, I joked a little bit about some of my upbringing, but what I found a little bit later on, and I'm not blaming anybody because I thank God for my upbringing, but I went through a phase that I, I was very critical, very critical. I, I was very, and you might could, you know, I, I wasn't living it myself, but I could be very pharisaical about everybody else. Because I could point out all the wrong things, and I knew I was doing it myself, but, but, but I could point them out to everybody else. And I went through this, this, this time in life where that was a struggle, and really kept me from ministry for a long time. Because I was called when I was a young boy, and I ran for ministry for a long time for all sorts of reasons, but this was one of them. But finally, when I made that prayer, and I said, God, I, I know it, it, Christ is my Savior. I've given my, but I need, a, I need a new heart. I need a change. 
And it was at that point that God does that work and he begins that work and my heart began to change. So much so, and my wife can tell you this, that I am not the same person that I once was. I don't have the same same inclination. I, 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 maybe inclination is the wrong word. I, I, but I, I'm, I don't have the same anger and the same hardness as I, as I probably once did because I made that prayer, God, you have to soften my heart, change my heart, do a work in my heart. Amen. See, we need to make that our prayer. Because this is God's heart work. He, gives, he makes you a new creature. He gives you new life through Jesus Christ. But he wants to change your heart. It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So get a new heart and begin by asking God, change my heart. Let me hear you. Let me have your desires. Let me have a heart after you. Ephesians 1 and 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons, the word says. And so that Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 4 tells us that, that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world in holiness, but it has to be his, his heart work that makes the difference in us. Pray for his heart. Pray that you would have a heart after God. This is what, this is what saved David. <laughs> King David, he had all sorts of things that he would go through and struggle with. But what the scripture says about King David is it says he was a man after God's heart. Amen? He, he had a heart work from God, from the Father. And, and hopefully, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm teaching to the choir that's here tonight, and you've already addressed this, but, but if not, and make that your prayer. Before you go any farther, God, do the work in my heart. Fashion my heart. Colossians 1 and verse 21 says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And verse 19, when you catch it all together, it says, For it pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. It pleased the Father. To make these things happen. The Father desires for your heart to be a heart he fashioned to pursue him and to pursue a holy lifestyle. It's a heart work of God. The second thing about holiness in this sanctified movement, it's a heart work of God, and it is a renewing work of Christ. It is a life-renewing work of Christ. So it, it starts with a heart where something, something pricks your heart, causes you to come to Christ. You give your life to Christ, but then that new heart, that new heart that God has fashioned for you has to begin to take place. But it is a renewing work of Christ. Amen. If, if we're just trying to do this because it's in our mind to do this, we're going to fall so short if we if we claim to be a Christian so we can get more influence or better jobs or 
whatever the case might be, we're missing out what this is all about. It's got to be a renewing work of Christ. Titus 2 and 14 talks about Christ. It says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works. It's a renewing work of Christ. If you're not zealous for the good works of God, ask Christ to renew you. Amen. We understand salvation, but I'm not sure we understand this holy walk and this holy life so well, this sanctified life. I, I feel like we've just kind of sloughed that aside, but it's a heart work of God, so he has to renew, give us that heart. He has to give us that new heart, and then it is a renewal, renewed life that, that is the work of Christ. Takes the old and gives us new. More scriptures that you can look at. I, I will. I'll just uh, maybe give you a couple of them because I'm. I'm going to press on to a, a couple more places. But First Thessalonians three verses eleven through thirteen. It says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. There you see it, the heart work of God and the life renewal working of Christ. It has to happen that way. In order to live this life, we have to have that. Amen. I'm, I'm looking because I'm just picking and choosing some of the scriptures that I have here just for time's sake. Hebrews 10 and verse 10. I'll just give you that one verse and you can always go back and pick up the rest. But Hebrews 10 and 10 says... By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's the renewing work of Christ. We, we are covered by him. We are in him. We move in him. It's in him we live and move and have our being. It's that renewing work of Christ. It's that heart work of God the Father, the renewing work of Christ in our life. And then it is a practical work of the Holy Spirit. It is a practical work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes the heart work of God and the renewing, life-renewing work of Christ, and then he makes it practical for us to live out. He takes the new heart and the new life, and then he gives us practical steps. Galatians 5 and 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. Walk in the Spirit. See, your heart is brought alive. It's a new heart. It's a renewed by the Father. It's a renewed life that comes through Christ and Christ alone. But it's made practical through the power of the Spirit that we walk in Him. He's given more than just the Holy Spirit comes to us for more than just emotion and more than just just gifts and more than just the power that we're promised, which is vitally important. But he comes that we could walk in him 
and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. Are y'all are y'all hearing this tonight? In book of Romans, the 15th chapter, in the 16th verse, it says that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He has the one that sets it apart, the practical works. He takes what we offer and he sets it apart for the Father. He sets it apart for, for intended purpose. We walk in him and we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then the last thing that we'll say tonight is then it is the guiding work of the word. And the Holy Spirit who breathed the word also is our guide and director, but he guides us to the word. And this word is Christ Jesus alive. It's everything, it represents him unto us, and the Holy Spirit points us to him, and it is a guiding work of this word. This word will guide you. Amen? This word needs to be the guiding factor of your life. It's good for doctrine and reproof and rebuke. It's good for everything that you need. You may not find every issue by the name we call it today, but you will find every issue of sinful man in the word and you will find the way of escape for every temptation. You will find the answer for every problem. You will find the hope for every situation in the word of God. It guides you. John 17 and 17, sanctify, Jesus is praying, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Let it guide. Let it direct. Let the word be the directing of our path. I, I was just reading something earlier of someone that had made a, a statement. I, I saw, I, I don't remember what it was on. I, I think it might have been on Twitter or something, and, and, and someone had, had liked it or something, but the person made a statement, and it was, it, it, it made no sense whatsoever. It was not, there was nothing biblical about it, and it was supposed to be in the context of, of um, theology. And it was an absurd statement that was made. And it, and it had to do with homosexuals and those type of things and, and, and those things and trying to twist the word. And I, what caught my attention in there is I clicked and some, someone down there had said, well, if you want to know the truth and what I've come to understand about this in study and, and, and this or that, then I could really help you because I've dug deep into this in my theology. And it was on the side of error. And so it piqued my attention, and, and so I, I looked at it because I wanted to see what their response was because the person said, yeah, I'd love to. What books did you read? And when I clicked on it, all it said was the person said, well, my experience is this, this, and this. Oh, and my understanding is this, this, and this. But there was no word because the word is clear. See, here's the problem. We want to we want to let our experiences guide us rather than the Word of God. 
But if you want to live a holy, pure, clean life, if you want to, if you want to give your all for Christ and you want, to, you want to take full advantage of this new life you've been given and grow daily in the Lord and walk in the power of the Spirit, then this Word has to guide you and not your opinion, not your experience, not what someone else has told you. There's a problem in the church world today, the church world as a whole. I'm talking as a whole, not individually, but as a whole. The church world as a whole is biblically illiterate. The only Bible they get is what they hear somebody read before they preach. Amen. And when that's, listen real closely to me. And I, I know, listen real closely to me. If that's the only word you're ingesting into your life and putting in your life, then what happens is then, then you put the person that you hear, the only word you hear from, you put them up at a, on a pedestal and a level that they should never be on. And then when they let you down because of something in their life, you associate that with God letting you down. But rather, if you will let the word guide you, if you will let the word be your compass every day of your life and let what a man or woman of God just drive home to you from the word of God, as long as it is truth out of this word, if you'll do that, you'll keep everybody in the right perspective and God will be God and God will never let you down. Amen. We've got a dilemma in our world today that there are, and it's not all of them, so don't, don't misunderstand me, but we have multiple, and it happens in small settings and large settings, but the large settings get the most press. But we have large leaders of mega churches and all these that have kind of been placed into roles of celebrity that have fallen, that have failed. And, and, and those that have followed them, if they are not rooted in the guiding of the word themselves, it has brought them to distress and brought them to give up. And I want to tell you, it's because of a lack of the guiding of the true word of God. I, I hope that I'm always going to preach and teach the truth to you, but let me be the first to say what I say to you should not be the most you hear about God's Word in your life. That's up to you. Amen. Y'all still with me? You dig in. You get in the Word. We have this for a reason. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's able to divide a sunder bone and marrow. And it's able, it, it, it's able to do everything we need it to do. It will, the Word will expose things in our lives that needs to be dealt with. Let it be your guide. So, stand your feet with me. This process of holiness we must understand as we take this journey before we ever get into holiness of life and holiness of thought and holiness of stance and all the other things before we ever get there we have to understand it's a heart work of God it's a life renewing work of Christ what he accomplished at Calvary his shed blood 
what he has accomplished for us that now we are in him. Our hearts are brought alive. We're given new hearts for those stony hearts of sin by the Father. He's called us. He, he's, it's his desire for us. And then Christ came and accomplished the work and we put faith in him and it's by grace and, and we trust in him. It's a practical work of the Holy Spirit. He comes to lead us and to point us. He comes to enable us to walk it out and, to, and then it is a guiding work of the word. So we gotta we got to make sure these areas are right. I can't change your heart. I certainly can't renew your life. I I'm not Holy Spirit Junior that is to be your conscience. Right? And I'm not the source of your only word. No minister is. We have very important roles to play, and I'm not downplaying that, and hopefully you know me well enough to know I don't downplay what I'm preaching and teaching to you because I think it's pivotal and important. We've got to pursue God, right? Pursue peace with all men. And what? Holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. So let's let God have his work in us. Pursue these areas. Say, Father, I need that new heart. Through Christ, I have a renewed life that I want to live out his life in me, through me, for me. I have the Holy Spirit to cause me daily to practically walk this out in practicality. And I have your word to guide me at all times. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. Speak to us. Awaken in us the desire to live and walk. Be directed by, apply this life that you've given, the promises that you've given us so that we can walk in this holiness that our lives can be sanctified and set apart for your service. Father, let us not ever bypass this portion that's so vital of our walk for you, with you, through you. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to walk pleasing to you to the best of our abilities. Lord, we shouldn't... We shouldn't just say, well, you've done it all, so I'll do anything I want to do, Lord. Our desire should be such change that we want to do everything we can to please you, knowing that we will always come short. But we will pursue with everything in us. Father, we love you. Help us on this journey. Help us learn and grow. Help us to have new desire, renewed desire to be all you've called us to be in this new life in Christ. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said tonight, amen and amen. God bless you for being here. Stop by, for being here. Stop by the back table. Put your name on that list if you're going to be here for the work day so that will give us an idea of uh, what we think we can accomplish. God bless you.